This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Hey, welcome to Madison Story Slam. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode featuring two great stories from two of my favorite people. But before we get to the stories, I want to let you know how you can connect with us further on the World Wide Web. I don't know. Sorry, guys. Hey, if you want to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to the show, then you will be able to see all the episodes that come out. And then while you're there, maybe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app, you can leave us a rating and a review. Five-star ratings help people find the show, and reviews help us know what you're enjoying and maybe what you'd like to see different about the show. You can also go to patreon.com slash madisonstoryslam if you want to play a bigger part in the show. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron of the show. And then finally, we have a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and search Madison Story Slam, you can see these two stories, which the links to this to these stories are in the show notes today. Uh, but you can also see a ton of other stories that we've posted on our YouTube channel. Stories come out, uh, or videos come out, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, every now and then we'll release a special one off schedule. But on today's episode, second, we have my father, David Rosted, talking about drag queens. But first, we've got Marty the Meatman Sosnowski telling us about a concert that he went to and what happened there. So enjoy this episode that we're calling The Last Hurrah. So talk about pressure. Seems to me like I better bring a good story tonight. So all of a sudden I'm going, holy crap, what story? Because I actually had a different story, but I'm going to go, no, I got to go big tonight. I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories of all time. And it just so fits the theme. So ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, I've got to, and you know, since I say that, I got to, I got to, you know, there's something he forgot about on my album. And since we're on TV tonight, and it's the meat man. I just want to put this out there, camera, just in case for you children that might want to listen to this. Uh, we better, Tipper Gore be very happy I did this. I'm glad it's not on the album, but I just had to let you know. You, so tonight's story is kind of similar to our first storyteller. It's about when I'm about to become a father and the pressure that I'm under at the time because really my life's coming to an end at this point. I'm like 23 years old. Since I was 13 years old, folks, there were three things on my mind. Pussy, liquor, and drugs. So getting to the point where I had just gotten married, have a girl pregnant, I'm going to have a child, I'm pretty much thinking my life is over because this is going to be a big change for me. I'm never going to see another pussy again, I don't think. And the one that I do have is going to change in a couple of months. So, what do I do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, well, I can do this, I figure. But, before I change into a father and becoming a real man, and getting the golden lunch pail and going to the mill every day, I got to go party one more time. At least one more time. 
So there's not much I can do. I've, I'm two years sober at this point, pulled myself out of the bottom of a whiskey bottle. My wife is three years sober from being a heroin addict. So we're doing really well at this point. Families are going like, they're getting it together, you guys. They really got this. They got their get. They got married. They're going to have a kid. This is really going well for them because, like I said, the past 10 years had, it was a little bit different. So I got to do, I got to have one more party before this is all over, before this is the end of my life. Now, my wife at this point is seven months pregnant. So what do we come up with? I got to go to a concert. Music has always been a big part of my life. So one more time, I got to go. And at this point in my life, all I'm doing is smoking a little bit of weed. And my wife says I'm going to have to put an end to that. So, uh, all right. Well, I'm going to make one of those promises that I probably won't keep, but I'll give it a whirl. But before I do, we got to go to one more concert so I can get stoned and be at a rock and roll concert one more time before the end of my life. So there's not much going on. This is a, this is a long time ago. It's the late 70s. Blue Oyster Cult's coming to town. Well, that's about as good as it's going to get. In the early 70s, they were one of my favorite bands, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Blue Oyster Cult, we're going to get stoned and have a good time, and if she's going to go, agree to go along with this, it's going to be our last big party. Obviously, she's not going to partake. She's seven months pregnant. So, my best friend Pat and his girlfriend and my wife, here we go off to the concert. Now, we got this all planned out so that, you know, because they were pretty worried about the chance of us getting in some kind of trouble, getting busted. So what we decided to do, we couldn't smoke pot on the way there. We have a pregnant lady in the car and all that, and we're trying to be upstanding citizens. So we, we decided what we're going to do is we're going to pack one pipe full of some really good weed. We're going to take that into the concert. And at the opportune moment, we will smoke that, get stoned, and have the time of our life, and that's going to be the end of my life. Okay. So, in the 70s, this was, you didn't want to get caught with weed, for sure. This was no fucking around, you know? So, somehow we talked my wife, who's pregnant, into taking it in for us, because who's going to search a pregnant woman? Oh, she didn't like that, but she did it. So, okay. So, we get into the concert. Cheap Trick's the opening band. Now, I call this story, I hate fucking Cheap Trick. And it, this was just the beginning of my hatred toward that fucking band. I ended up be working in the rock and roll business. I have a lot more stories about Cheap Trick. But this was the first time that they affected my life in a negative way. <laughs> so they're, in the, they're the opening act. So we get into the show. And in these days, it was at, it was at a big arena. The, the floor's open. There's no chairs on the floor. It's just standing room on the floor. So most people went to the floor. There was like two or 3,000 people on the floor. The place was packed. I'm pretty sure it was sold out because Blue Oyster Cult and Cheap Trick were both huge at the time. So there's like two or 3,000 people on the floor. We get my wife. The, the hockey boards are still up. It was in the wintertime, right around Christmas, New Year's. The hockey boards are up. They took the glass down. So we're on the floor. And you know how they have the doors to get in and out of the hockey rink. So we get into the show, and we strategically place my wife and her friend right in the back by one of the hockey doors so we could find them when we needed to. And they didn't really want to be up front anyway. Now, what you need to know is this comes in to be an important part of the story here in a couple minutes. So Cheap Trick gets done, finally, and we decide, okay, 
Well, before they're done, we're going to go smoke our weed. And so you, we, before they got done playing, because everybody's standing up, we go, the trick was, is you go into the crowd, about 10 people. And in those days, people would help protect you from anybody seeing you. So people all gathered around us. Me and my friend Pat were sitting there smoking our bowl. Oh, man, we're doing fucking cheap tricks. They suck. But they're doing their encore. We're smoking our pot. And I'm sitting there, and I'm taking, like, the last hit of, of weed out of this pipe. And I look, and, and I'm facing the stage. My friend Pat is facing me. There's thousands of people around us. He's looking the other way, and all of a sudden his fucking eyeballs get this big around. I'm not kidding you. And boom, he takes off into the crowd. And simultaneously, some Dick Tracy bastard from behind me, bam, down on the ground I go. Got the pipe in my hand. He's got a knee in my back, and he's fucking giving me some cop instructions about, oh my God. And, and there's like four of them, and they're coming in a line. And, 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 and the guys behind them, I hear them say, well, who, who else? And they just grab the kid next to me. So they grab this kid next to me, they grab me, they got, and they're, they're dragging us out of the crowd, and they're getting us out of there in a hurry, because in those days, the crowd would get testy, and they would start to, so they got us, they're fucking dragging us out of there. And like I said, I had my wife strategically placed by that door. Well, where the fuck do you think they're taking us? They are head, we're heading right for that fucking door. And I got, they got me, they got two cops on me, and they got this some kid behind me skicking, kicking and screaming about, I didn't do a fucking thing, man! And they're dragging us, and all of a sudden, here I see my pregnant wife coming up, and they're dragging me that way. And for those of you who know what the hairy eyeball is, you've never seen. You have never, ever seen a look on a woman's face like I saw that night. And they took me right by her, right by her with this kid behind me. And I'm just going like, oh, boy, happy New Year's, honey. So they take me, and she, her and her friend are going like, what the fuck? And her friend, her boyfriend wasn't with me anymore. And we went into the crowd together. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm going, what the fuck am I going to do? So they haul me into this room where they keep all the people that they've arrested. And they get us in there. And they fucking chain me to this bench, which at this point in my life is not something that I haven't experienced before. I'm chained to this fucking bench. And this Dick Tracy guy's telling me how much fucking trouble I'm in. And he's, oh man, he's telling me I'm in all this fucking trouble and all this shit. And so... I just kind of sitting there, and he goes, well, you know what, you son, you seem awful calm for somebody that's in the situation you're in. And I'm like, dude, there's a seven-month pregnant wife on the other side of that motherfucking door. And I said, you can keep me in here as long as you want. I said, trust me. I said, I have no desire to go out of that door right at this moment, because I said, I can feel that she's out there. So we're sitting there, and he's in, and so then they take me in, and this kid, uh, they've got this kid sitting there, and I, I still don't know who he is. I don't, he was just fucking standing there. And he's telling them, I didn't do nothing. And they're going, yeah, right, dude, okay, everybody. And they got him sit down, they got him cuffed. Well, they take, find out he's 15 fucking years old. And I'm like, oh, my God. So they take me in this other room, they strip search me, they don't find nothing, they bring me out. And uh, that's when I found out he was 15. And so Dick Tracy then tells me, son... Now you're really in trouble. Now we got you contributing to a minor with drugs. This is going to start to rack up some felony charges. And I'm just like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? So they had to wait for the juvie guy to come in to search the kid. So they bring the juvie guy in to search the kid. They take him in the room. They come out. They talk to Dick Tracy. 
He's going, oh, he gets a big smile on his face. This kid has a big fucking bag of weed in his pocket. I mean, I'm not kidding, it was over an ounce. So now the detective is going like, now we've got you on felony charges. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he starts giving me one of these great speeches about about how, what a shitty father I'm going to be. It's going to be two fucking years before I ever see my daughter again because I'm going to prison for whatever I just did. And, I, you know, I'm thinking, well, this might not be a bad idea, really, because what I got waiting for me on the other side of that door, uh, I don't know. So, in this kid, he's still, he was just standing next to me doing nothing. So, they come to find out the kid is on vacation visiting his aunt and uncle at this concert with his cousin not doing a goddamn thing and now he's in fucking jail for smoking weed with me which he wasn't even doing so they so to make a long story short we get we actually get to fucking jail and i don't know what i don't know whatever happened to him they we actually rode in the in the squad car together me and this kid and one other guy and this kid was balling just, I mean, balling to the point where he had snot running out of his nose. And I was just trying to go, kid, dude, I'm sorry about this, but I don't know what I can do. There's nothing I can do. And I actually wiggled out of my, out of my handcuffs at the time. So I was just sitting there going, and the cops going, what? So they get us in there. Into jail I go. They don't really tell me anything. They won't tell me what's really going on. So they put me in this holding cell. I get in there. There's about 40 people in there that they busted from the concert. We're all in this big holding cell. One by one, they keep that people are coming and going. I'm thinking, okay, well, the wife's gonna come and bail me out. It, you know, sooner or later, I'm gonna have to face the music here. They keep coming, coming, coming. Pretty soon, it's just me and some drunk guy left. He's sitting there, I'm sitting there, and finally, about three in the morning, they come and get him, and he's gone. And I'm just sitting there all by myself, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I don't really know what's what's going on. They won't tell me. The night goes by, nothing. Next day comes, they bring me my breakfast. Okay, I'm still in this cell all by myself. Noon comes, they bring me lunch. Nobody will tell me what's going on. Well, I I learned some things in jail at the time. You you know, you might as well put this to good advantage. There was some scribbling on the wall that was must have been done in like a piece of charred wood where some guy wrote about about praying to the devil while you're in jail and maybe it would help you get out or something. Didn't really do any good. I tried, but and I also learned that with in these days you could smoke in jail. You could actually smoke cigarettes in in the jail, and so I learned that with matches you can do artwork on the ceiling of the jail. I learned that you write your name in matches. Everybody did that, so I did that. You know, kind of tried to keep my. Another night goes by. I'm still not out. So finally, some jailer came and told me, and I said, "Well, why am I not getting out of here?" And he goes, "Dude, he goes, they got you on felony charges, and I didn't know this, but they can hold you." for up to 48 hours on felony charges. They don't have to do nothing. They don't have to tell you nothing. They can just hold you for that long. So eventually, the wife finally came and got me and got me out of there. So needless to say, the pressure that I was under was, was increased tenfold at that point. But surprisingly, the marriage didn't last and all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not very shocking, but I tried to give it my best attempt. And you know what really surprises me more than anything is now, almost, this is almost 40 years later, and you can still be put in jail for almost exactly what happened to me, and that's so stupid. 
It is. It's so dumb. So people, we got midterm elections coming up. Let's get out there and vote and try to change some of this stuff because it's stupid that this is still happening. But it made for a great story. Thank you, Marty, for that wonderful story about your history. Hey, did you know that we live stream video of every single one of our live storytelling events? On the third Saturday of every month and some in between, you can log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Madison Story Slam. At around 7 p.m., the live stream will start and you can be right there hearing all these great stories as they happen. Up next, we have a man who used to be a pastor, a man who used to go to church conventions, a man who is my father. Here's David Rosted. I have never experienced peer pressure in my entire life because all of my friends and I did all the things we wanted to do together in every way. But I have experienced uh, people who have experienced peer pressure, and I had, I know you're not supposed to bring notes up here, but I had a note to myself. This was sort of just the title, so you'll have to get the title. Drag Queen Beauty Pageant, Mike Tyson Buster Douglas Championship Fight, uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and the 1990 Pastors Convention for the group of pastors that I was a part of. So here we are, and uh, we are in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It is the year that Buster Douglas takes the title away from Mike Tyson, and so it's a pretty exciting kind of event that's taking place. But we get into uh, Calgary, Alberta, which has this great mass transit system, and you can get around anywhere you want to go. But most of our time as pastors is spent at our convention, which was intended to bring encouragement to one another and strengthen one another and hobnob and kind of make your way around and get to know people. I also had the opportunity, because a good friend of mine pastored a church in Calgary, so that Sunday coming up, I would be his guest speaker at that uh, church on that Sunday morning. So not only did I have to, you know, kind of go through the pastor's conference, but I also had some preparation time for uh, the sermon that I was going to deliver. Now, I don't know if, you have, if you've been to church much, but in, in the tradition that, uh, that I was a pastor in, if you didn't speak for 45 minutes people felt shortchanged. Yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? You know, other pastors that I knew in denominations would tell me, oh, you know, the, I've got 12 minutes to fill. And I'd go, 12 minutes? That's my introduction. What do you mean? So we're in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're three, uh, four nights, three days of, of Holy Spirit revival. And we are in a hotel room, not a church, or in a hotel uh, grouping. And then we have the convention hall center where we're at. And we are worshiping God, and we're hearing great speakers, and we're saturating that room with the presence of God. So we believe. And so it is this miraculous opportunity and miraculous time, and we are all pumped. Now, at least back then, in order to... Well, to be honest, in order to get a couple days extra of vacation at the end of the conference, but we would say, 
if we waited until Sunday or Monday to fly out, the, cheap, the flights were always cheaper. It was less expensive to have two more nights of hotel room than it was to pay the extra money to get home. So, of course, many of us would take the extra couple days and get to see what was going on and different things. So our convention comes to an end. And we are lounging in the uh, open and free areas and the, the, uh, nobody's in the bar. Bunch of pastors, sorry. But in the restaurants and in the open lobby areas and things like that. And then there starts to be this steady flow of the next convention that is coming in. That is going to occupy the room that we had for our Holy Spirit saturating revival time that we were experiencing. Now, they just looked really normal coming in, you know. They were coming in and participating and uh, checking in, and we're sitting and we're watching people and we're watching the TV and we're just kind of hanging around and talking and different things. And, and then it, later that evening, the Buster Douglas fight is on, the Mike Tyson-Buster Douglas fight. And some f- pastor friends of mine of varying different ages uh, were in the elevator, and there, there are these beautiful Sexy women in nightgown, night nightgowns. <laughs> what do you call those? Night, whatever they are. Evening gowns. Thank you. And they are gorgeous. And I am a super friendly guy. And I love talking to people and I love getting to know people. And, and I'm a non judgmental person. Not that my other pastor friends were in the same boat. And so we get on the elevator with this half dozen of gorgeous women, and I say, hey, how's it going? What are you guys here for? You know, what's going on in the hotel this weekend? Beautiful, gorgeous woman, a lot of cleavage, beautiful legs, high heels. (laughs) Yeah, we're here for, and just that voice, too. We're here for the... uh, transvestite regional beauty pageant. And the, the pastors that I was with, hey, I grew up around Madison. You know what? Nothing surprises us, and we're not shocked by anything. It's no big deal. And, and the, but the pastor that I was with on that elevator from, from uh, western Nebraska, His jaw literally hit the floor. It was so funny. And they were so upset. They were so anxious and mad that this show was going to take place in the very room where we had just saturated it with prayer and worship and Holy Spirit content. And they were were just so anxious. And I'm going, I don't know. I'm like, you know, I... I think it's kind of unusually interesting. And so there we are, the night of the beauty pageant. Out in the lobby. Because you didn't want to pay for the Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson fight. We're out in the lobby and we're watching Buster Douglas pound on Mike Tyson. And we're watching this parade of Gorgeous transvestite women, men, walking through and enjoying themselves. And, and from a peer pressure standpoint, there was such disgust 
in many of my fellow pastors' eyes and comments and intentions. And, and I, just, I just couldn't even begin to understand it. Because I love people. And, and so if you're different, I want to know why you're different. And so it wasn't an issue to me of, of judging them or, or making fun of them, because that was probably the worst. Some of them were making fun of them. And I just went, I would turn to my friends in mass. They were all there. And I would say, I would say, these are people. People that God loves as much as he loves you. And you need to look at them and ask What is making them who they are? What has made them who they are? Not to dismiss it, but to know them and to understand them. And so there I am in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, one of the greatest cities in the world, by the way. It's an excellent city. Watching the Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas fight, having experienced a great four days of celebration with my fellow pastor friends, and then watching the parade of transvestites coming in for their beauty pageant, regional beauty pageant competition show. And it was marvelous. Thank you. That was weird. Hey, that's our episode for today. A big thanks to Marty and my dad, David, for sharing their stories. As ludicrous as my dad's was, I don't know. It it was definitely strange to hear my dad tell that story. (laughs) Uh, Good times. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button on whatever app you're using to listen to this. We appreciate that so much. And we hope that these stories, even though they were on the funnier side, helped you feel connected to our community. And we would love for you to play a bigger part in the community. And the best way to do that is to come to a live show. And our upcoming live shows are Saturday, January 19th. That's this weekend. The theme is breakups, and we want you to come to the Wilmar Center and enjoy that night. Then on Friday, February 8th, we're teaming up with McFarland Public Library for Worst Date, Best Date. Saturday, February 16th, we're back at the Wilmar Center in Madison. We don't have a theme for that date yet. And then March 16th at the Wilmar Center, and there is no theme for that one yet either. They will be up soon on our Facebook page if you check there. Hope to see you at one of those events soon, and as always, I love you.